0: Next on BYUSN, more changes to the BYU men's basketball roster, but do the Cougars still need to add another piece to feel okay about going into the Big 12?
1: And ESPN's Joe Linardi has BYU as a bubble team three of the last four weeks. Are we buying that right now?
0: Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, May 10th. I am Spencer Linton. He is bracketology historian Jerem Jordan.
1: No, I'm not. Uh, but yeah, the, I did read Joe's book uh, about bractology, which was interesting. And he did mention the, the curious case of BYU and how it's uh, no Sunday play throws a wrinkle yeah. into things. right? The point is BYU just needs to put itself in a position where it's, if it's not the automatic qualifier, which would be really tough in the Big 12, that it's a surefire team in there. And certainly BYU have the schedule to be able to do it. Uh, It's just, can BYU win enough games? And we will see this fall as BYU enters the Big 12. I don't know that when we signed up for the Big 12, we were asking for, like, that type of competition. But certainly in men's hoops, it's going to be unique.
0: Give yourself some credit. At least a partial historian, courtesy of Joe Linardi's
1: book. Uh, Just because you read a book doesn't mean you know anything. (laughs) Uh, Anyone can read a book. But on today's show, a men's basketball player enters the transfer portal. What it means for the roster makeup in men's hoops. Do the Cougars still need players? We'll talk to men's hoops assist coach Kale Fennell about that. What's left with the roster? Are they still going after guys, it would seem? And uh, when we could see the non-conference schedule. Plus, Top 5 Tuesday features the Top 5 transfers in men's Mm -hmm. hoops. Who's number one? And the women's soccer team stumbles onto a Cougar connection all the way in Croatia. But first, here are today's headlines.
0: Beginning with BYU football, who assigned offensive lineman transfer Jake Icorn from Weber State. Redshirt sophomore, he has three years of eligibility remaining, played 12 games last season for the Wildcats. That offensive line room for BYU just gets deeper with more guys that are capable.
1: Jay Hill's like, just come down to BYU, let's go. Multiple reports have uh, BYU guard Tanner Toulson in the transfer portal. Toulson played in six games last season. He's the son of former Cougar legend and BYU TV broadcaster Andy Toulson. Transfer portal closes for men's basketball tomorrow. BYU
0: baseball rallies to beat Utah
1: 13 to 7. They take the season series.
0: Who cares about that one game? What one game? Exactly. BYU scored 10 unanswered runs, four in the eighth inning, six in the ninth. How about that finish? Cole Gamble hit the game-tying home run at 7-7, and then it was just gangbusters after that. Dawson Hall, hey. Jaron Hall's brother, two for two with a couple of runs, three runs batted in. BYU at Pacific tomorrow, 9 Eastern on BYU Radio. Feels like a must-sweep series yeah. for their postseason chances. Yeah,
1: totally. Lisa May Mateos in the final round of the San Antonio nca regional to advance mateo needs to be the top individual among non-advancing team participants right now for the day she's one over through eight two over in the tournament so playing well she's in the top 10 overall in the regional tied for eighth unfortunately cameron uh of utsa is uh through eight today she's even but she's six under leading the tournament by three strokes so Certainly, Mateo will have a lot of uh, score to make up there, but she's playing pretty well at this tournament. So best of luck here in round three today. She's had an incredible career. Yep.
0: BYU women's lacrosse, the sixth seed in their WCLA National Championship Tournament, beat the 11 seed Texas 12-8. So they move on through the bracket. They take on Pittsburgh today at 2 Eastern. Good luck to the women.
1: And then, of course, uh, 12-seeded men's lacrosse lost 12-10 last night to 4-seed Chapman in the MCLA quarterfinals. Congrats to the Cougars on a great season. And the Michigan Panthers of the United States Football League have signed
0: former BYU safety Kai Nakua. It's been a big few weeks for the Nakua's. 2021, uh, Nakua played with the Jets three games, had four total tackles. Now he's taking his talents and earning some money in the USFL.
1: That's awesome. And a uh, final headline with women's soccer, the Cougars in Croatia going to take on ZNK Dynamo Zagreb in Zagreb, Croatia at a 25,000-seat stadium. Of course, home of one of the powers in Croatian soccer, Dynamo Zagreb. Uh, The Cougars about to start as we speak. Starting lineups out, if you want the latest info, Greg Rebell is with the team and has been tweeting uh, information. We'll keep you updated on that one later.
0: All right, let's go. 25,000 seat stadium. Very cool. All rise and shout. It is time for What's Trending.
1: Robinson, all the way outside it goes. Robinson slams it in. It's all comes away with it, drives in, and scores the bucket. Johnson, open three. Good. Good. Drive
2: the freshman to win it. Got it.
0: What's Trending, presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Multiple reports have surfaced that BYU guard Tanner Toulson has entered the transfer portal. We brought it up in headlines. That means BYU's roster total now has exactly 13 scholarship players, which there are 13 scholarships available. So, Jerem, what do you make of this news with Tanner Toulson moving out and BYU's current roster as – we think they're still looking in the portal. What else has to happen at this point?
1: Yeah, always a bummer to uh, you know, lose a legacy kid like Tanner. Uh, good dude, back from a mission, kind of got hurt last year, was buried in the lineup, um, and uh, he'll seek another opportunity elsewhere um, after playing in six games. He, he was hoping to get last year back. Perhaps he still will. Best of luck to uh, Tanner Toulson. He may have a fourth year if he gets the year back. We'll see. Um, as for the roster, um, so, yeah, you, we said, hey, they're over one, they're over one. Now they're, now they're at the right number, right? Uh, 13. That doesn't mean they're not going to go get somebody either. And it would be interesting to see um, if someone else answer, uh, goes to the portal, should they be going that direction? Because while I said it closes, it never actually closes. It's just you would have to sit out next year if you're not a grad transfer um there's a certain timing associated with when you enter the portal you can always exit the portal yes just um, do so with penalties and you can always enter the portal but you might have to sit out so that day is tomorrow friday by the way for women's hoops so be has got two point guards eight wings and eight three wings. bigs so 10 of the 13 are backcourt players i think that number's too high spence i i, I think the ideal ratio would be eight backcourt five frontcourt i don't think be going to Get to five front court this year. I think it's going to be a um, ideally you get to a nine-four split there. So I think BYU needs another big. Um, let's not go through what we did two years ago when Richard Harwood and Gavin Baxter went down, and then suddenly you're asking Foose and Atiki to be thrust into the spotlight as freshmen. True freshmen. No ideally, less. And it now it developed Foose, sure, um, and Dallin Hall last year got thrown in, developed him, but you don't want that. Like that's not. The, if you have to get to that, sure. But I would like BYU to get one more big, but that would mean one wing is off Scully at that point. So I'm not going to project who I think that is. I think that would be unfair to that individual. But I, I think br has got a lot of experience, which is the good news. I think they are a little heavy in the, in the uh, backcourt department. But the experience is awesome because you've only got two dudes who are going to run out after a year uh, with Spencer Johnson and uh, Quez Glover. Uh, but everyone else returns in theory. Um, you only have a couple of freshmen and sophomores. You have four newcomers, as we mentioned, Quez Glover, Dawson Baker, uh, Ali Khalifa, and then Jake Walin's back from a mission to Lithuania. So it, it's a group that is improved. This is a better talent roster than last year. Um, by how much, I'm not sure, but I like the experience. I like the talent. I like the diversity of skill. Yeah. I love what uh, Khalifa brings in turn of In terms of a big who can pass and shoot, I like Glover as kind of a pure point. Um, I like Dawson Baker's ability late in the shot clock, like we've talked about. So I love the uh, I love the group BYU's got. I still think there's probably one more piece needed, similar to these three that BYU's brought in, before we can more comfortably go into the like okay, they're really going to challenge for a um, a spot in the NCAA tournament. Because listen, it's hard to make the tourney, it really is. And then of course in the Big 12. The pros and cons are the, challenge, the, the schedule is so tough that it's hard to win as many games as maybe we're used to. Yes. But you have a strength of schedule that the committee will respect uh, in a way where if you can be uh, perhaps the seventh or eighth best team in the Big 12, you've got a, a, a really good shot of being in the hunt at the end, which is what we're hoping for.
0: We should probably do ourselves a favor and prepare for status quo at this point. It, I mean, I know that there's still time left for the coaches to go out and find somebody else, but options are dwindling for sure. And I don't know that I'm of the opinion of, well, let's just go get whatever size is out there just so that we can have more size. And
1: I'm not I'm not that either. I think you need to bring in someone that makes sense. You don't just get a body to get a body. Right, and it might, be, to tough, it degree, might be tougher
0: to find somebody that makes sense at this point.
1: But to some degree, I think walking in with only three bigs is tough. Sure. I BYU, don't, I don't BYU argue BYU did with that last at all. year. You get two fouls on a guy. You only have the two guys. You get an injury. Luckily, BYU was pretty healthy last year. Listen, I I do think BYU needs another big. BYU
0: may have to ask Noah Waterman when bigs get in foul trouble to come in with his size and play a different role and be a little bit more physical and maybe try and bulk up and do something different if they cannot find somebody.
1: Offensively, I don't agree with that, but defensively, sure. Yeah, Yeah. and that's what I'm saying. Defensive-minded
0: approach here. They they may be forced into a scenario where it's like, look, you're 6'11". We need you to go in there and, and be physical. And we're in foul trouble.
1: A.K.A. you need to rebound and defend. And if you stretch the floor with the three? Great. Awesome, because that's what you do enough. A-
0: yes. Yeah. But we we should probably prepare for the worst, which I think is the status quo as far as a front court goes. If BYU doesn't find somebody else, then... All right, here we are. This is what BYU is going into the the Big 12. The worst would be
1: someone jumps in the portal tonight we didn't expect. That would be the worst, right? (laughs) Like a Cody F's but he doesn't come back kind of deal. Um, Yeah, I feel very comfortable with this roster. I'm pleased. I'm excited. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I just think to really go into the Big I get it, more, big, more 12, big man depth. I would just like Foos to have a backup at the i I'm four. with you. I think BYU has two fives, obviously, in Khalifa and Atiki. I love Atiki as the backup, a guy who's still getting experience, kind of newer to basketball, like seventh or eighth year playing. Um, him as the backup, can defend, can rebound. There's some games where he gets uh, rebounds off the glass and he's laying it in, which is awesome. But, yeah, one more piece there just in case you have an injury. So, I'm with you.
0: Like, I feel like BYU – needs a big man but again we're getting down to the 11th hour here in terms of just available players that are good sure. and make sense rather than just going and getting some size and hoping it works out and then you're taking a scholarship away potentially from somebody else
1: if there's a walk-on who's good enough as the backup four to have a physical presence there that would work too sure i'm, I'm yeah i'm i'm not going to be that picky but I don't want to have what we had two years ago, which was, oh, shoot. Injuries and now two injuries are forced and now, into
0: a tough scenario. Yes,
1: and then that tough scenario does not include the likes of Pacific and Pepperdine and so on. It is Kansas State, Baylor, Houston, and so on. And so well, forth. and
0: if, if BYU goes and gets another big, now we're talking about taking somebody else's scholarship away. And I'm hoping, and we've seen in the past, some incredible athletes say, okay, I'll give up my scholarship this year and figure it out if you can promise me that I'll get it back again, I don't know that there are any promises that can be made. And BYU is going into the Big 12, so how they offer scholarships has changed. Yeah, you now. committed
1: the entirety of their it, eligibility. This is this is tough. You can always say, "Listen, we don't have a spot for you. You can just stay in school, but you won't be on. You'll be on Scholarly, but you won't be playing basketball." For There's our that team. as well. You're essentially cut. There's
0: that as well. And- Name, yeah. image, like this money. It's an uncomfortable
1: conversation, but as much as we want to act like um, this is, you know, it's a business. Like, this is a team. They're out there to win. Of course, they want to do everybody as well as they can. But if they don't see a spot for a guy, they, they're doing them a service by saying, listen, unfortunately, we're going to cut you. And if you want to enter the portal, that's up to you. You know, that, that happened. Okay, topic two. Brectologist Joe Lenardi has BYU on the bubble three of the last four weeks as the eighth team out, kind of the last team mentioned. Are you buying BYU as a bubble team at this point?
0: Yes, because BYU is playing in the Big 12. Their net ranking. The Big
1: 12 has thrust them into that. Yes,
0: their net ranking is going to be so significantly improved. If you couple that with just a few big-time wins, which BYU will do, that's going to happen because Big 12 teams – in large part, have never played in the Marriott Center. They don't know exactly what they're walking yeah. into.
1: They played at Kansas, like a big-time environment, and a bunch, right? But BYU's Marriott, Marriott a different Center beast. is fun and unique. It, it's a different beast. 19,000s, yep. a new 000, venue,
0: little more. New eye lines,
1: You got to get new. I mean, you got to get used deal. to some things yeah. that you have
0: not dealt with before. The Rock
1: will bring it. And
0: uh, while BYU will not be favored on paper, they just they're going to win a couple of these games. I mean, heck, this year BYU probably should have at least won one of the games against Gonzaga and St. Mary's with a team that didn't go to the NIT. We feel like BYU's better. Those type of quality teams are going to come into the Marriott Center for the first time in large part, and BYU's going to teach some hard lessons to these teams. BYU's also going to go on the road a lot and learn some very hard lessons. Sure. But their net ranking will be so improved because of conference affiliation that if you're 17 and 14 going into the Big 12 tournament and you win a game and you're 18 and 14, then you lose. You finish 18 and 15 having played two games in Kansas City. You think, man, you're only three games over 500. Doesn't matter. You're playing in the top conference in America. Let's say you're the eighth-place team. it still
1: will be with the four that come in because Houston adds a ton.
0: You say that you're the eighth-place team. Okay, Remember, the Big 12 only had 10 teams last year. Now you got 14. So if you're eighth or ninth in a bigger expanded conference – greater opportunity for perhaps maybe to go and get another team into the tournament compared to just the seven that they had this year out of 10. 70% of the conference in the tournament is crazy.
1: Yeah, it was nuts. Right?
0: So if they get eight or nine in, BYU could be that eighth place or ninth place team. You go six and 12 in conference. And and like I said, you win a game in Kansas City and you're right there. So, yes, I am buying BYU as a bubble team. I'm not buying the Cougars – as an NCAA tournament team right now, but I feel like they will be in the mix, at least on the bubble. I think Lenardi's on to something, just on how the the game is set up.
1: It's fun to see it in May. I don't care about bracketology in May. Um, I start to care once we kind of get into the season, then it's kind of in flux, and even then it's early, right? But I am excited about the prospect of what this group can become, because yes, they did not make the NIT last year, but we had a similar renaissance Um, in 18-19 with the team that didn't make the NIT. and the next year, they were going to be a sixth seed before COVID hit. And it was development internally of the existing players. It was the addition of some portal pieces, uh, notably Jake Toulson. It was people who felt like they had something to prove. And I think BYU has a team that is hungry and uh, feels like it has something to prove. And for the first time in BYU history, is not going to fight the we have to win this game no, on the road. We're always supposed to win it. There may not be a game that BYU is favored in on the road in league. Like, all of the wins will be beneficial every single time. There were detrimental wins in the past sometime yes. where BYU didn't win by enough maybe on the road. You know what I mean? To the committee? At, against a bad team in, say, the WCC. BYU will never have that kind of loss again. They will only have beneficial wins. And it's can you win enough? That is the question for BYU in the Big 12. I'm excited to see this group together. I think BYU has increased the talent. I think they're hungry, and now they have an opportunity. That is a good recipe.
0: Jim, the last place team in the Big 12 last year was Oklahoma. They went 15-17. and Their net ranking was 70. Okay, they're the yeah. last place team.
1: BYU should be a top 50 net team. Texas Tech walking into selection
0: was the second worst team, 16 and 16. They were 62. And then Oklahoma State was the eighth best and team. And they were
1: the first team out of the tournament, by the way. They me.
0: were 42 in the net rankings at 20 and 16.
1: Yeah, so they did not they make the no turning.
0: They were on the bubble, and that's what we're talking about. It like,
1: does scare me that they had 20 wins and didn't get in. But uh depends what those wins are, right? Absolutely, yeah. it does.
0: All right. Our Nevada had a of,
1: better record against, like, top 50 teams. Well, yeah, it was like a weird It Didn't work decision, out well yeah.
0: for Nevada once they got to the first four. Our question <laughs> so they the got day, it.
1: they did get in. We'd take BYU getting into the first four right now.
0: Absolutely, we would. Yeah. Oklahoma State would have taken it as well. Yes. Are you buying BYU basketball as a bubble team at this point? At Y4Life on Twitter answers, hard to say. BYU finished fifth in the West Coast Conference. Fifth. What? Let's wait and see how things come together.
1: Well, are you assuming the same team shows up next year? I am not. It's, it's a di- very it's a, different team. It's a different group. you got four newcomers. Um, you got, a, a, again, a team that has different pieces coming in that will add to this. And it's, and it's a team that suddenly got old. This team is not a young group that's saying, hey, return missionaries really carry us in some way, right? That is not the case with this group.
0: Hashtag BYUSN on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to answer, are you buying BYU men's basketball is an NCAA tournament
1: bubble team. What we really should ask is, do you like bracketology in May? <laughs> Baseball heads to Stockton for a final time to play the Tigers starting Thursday night 9 Eastern on the BYU Radio app in a must-have series to try and make the WCC tournament. Joining us next,
0: speaking of men's basketball, one of our favorites, assistant coach, Cahill Fennell. Yeah. He's been busy working the transfer portal. BYU's cooking. They're on the up and up. What does he think of the recent additions? We'll ask him next on BYU Sports Nation.
2: This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968.
0: live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play, we call it BYU Sports Nation. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan and let's keep the basketball topic rolling with BYU men's basketball assistant coach Cahill Fennell who is back in Studio B. Coach, we mentioned it before the break, you've had a very, very busy last few months. You've been hitting the transfer portal hard, you've made three key additions. How would you explain the last two months of your life as an assistant coach, working in the transfer portal life as currently constituted? It's a lot. I,
3: I think you said it really well. It's been a hectic few com- a few weeks here. Uh, you know, we got a little bit of a late start, but you know, once we did, we really had to dive into it with two feet and, and make the biggest splash that we could, right? So uh, I'm really, really excited about these three guys we have bringing in. Uh, you mentioned them earlier, Ali Khalifa. Uh, Dawson Baker and Quez Glover, I mean, they're really talented. Um, They increase our talent level as a team. And individually, I think there's there's some maturity there. There's some mental toughness there. Um, I think they're going to add a lot to our group really across the board. So I'm really excited about them.
1: Those three each bring something that uh, no individual had on the previous team, which is a nice addition. Like, okay, Ali Khalifa is a a big who can really pass and shoot it. That was unique, right? Uh, Dawson Baker, a guy who wants the ball at the end of the shot clock, gets to the free throw line. That was, that was more unique as well. And then Quez Glover, a guy who really quick off the dribble. Was that uh, a specific thing you wanted? Or um, like, okay, we need certain skill sets? Or was it like, we see this guy, he's interested, and we can fit him into what we do?
3: No, I think it's more of the former, right? I think Quez Glover is a a perfect example. I mean, we really need somebody that can get to spots on the floor and create offense, manufacture shots for himself, manufacture shots for his teammates at that Big 12 level. Um, He can get by people. You mentioned he's really, really quick. He can get by people, get to spots on the floor. He doesn't need a ton of action to to free himself. Um, And that's huge, whether it's end of shot clock, whether that's early offense and transition. Guys like that, they can manufacture offense on their own um, is super, super valuable, especially in the Big 12. Dawson Baker is an experienced guy. He's won a lot of games at UC Irvine. Uh, he's been really well coached by Russell Turner down there. Um, and he just has this mental toughness and kind of innate self confidence that really permeates every level of his game, right? Like taking tough shots, uh, guarding good players, uh, being physical and taking care of the basketball. Like those kind of things are, are a little bit different from what we have. Um, and he blends some of the skill sets of a few of our guys, which we're really excited about. And then Ali Khalifa, like you mentioned, there's, there's not a lot of guys like him. The country, true. He's unique. Yeah, he is. It's not just our roster where he's unique. So um, somebody that big, that's that skilled, that can pass the basketball and make shots is is a pretty cool thing. So we're fired up about those guys,
0: Coach. Let's stay with the point guard position specifically, and you talked about how Quez can manipulate a defense and how valuable he will be on the floor, and not just creating shots for himself, but creating shots for others. But there, I have had a few people ask me. Well, what does this mean for a guy like Dallin Hall, who, who was such an integral part of what BYU did last year and, and kind of burst onto the scene as a freshman? So how do you envision Quez and Dallin working together in the backcourt?
3: Well, I think a cool thing about Quez being so different from everybody, it allows him to play with different people, right? It's not like you have to pigeonhole him with one partner in the backcourt. Uh, as you've seen with Coach Pope in the past, whether it's and T. John Lucas, he, I mean, he can play with two quasi-point guards. So uh, we're not afraid of that at all. Those guys are very, very different. Dallin's a big, strong physical guard. Um, Quez is more of a jet uh, and I think the opportunity for them to play together is very real so um, but you know just like anything I think the best guys are gonna play the best combinations are gonna play and whatever that looks like you know if Quez is the, is the guy to, to get us going offensively and and to uh, to be the director of what we're doing on that end of the floor then that's great and if Dallin's that guy then that's great too but um, those guys have to earn their minutes and, and they have to either show that they can blend together or show that they can dominate that position on their own so um, all that remains to be seen.
1: With Tanner Toulson in the portal, looks like you're 213 scholarships. 10 of those guys are backcourt players. Is three bigs enough to walk into the season? With.
3: I heard you guys talking about it earlier, so I guess I'll <laughs> i wade into this argument. Uh, uh you know, I, I think I think it depends, right? I think it depends on, on how you view certain guys. Like Jackson Robinson's played a lot of four for us. Um, you know, he's so long, he's athletic, he's adding good weight. Um Noah Waterman ultimately is six eleven, right? So yes. um, he, I
1: always say treat him like a six eight guy though in terms of how you sort of see his game. No, that's fair. But, I, I think that's yeah. fair and I think But that's, you're okay with kind of a stretch four situation as the sort of second power forward in in those yeah, combinations. yeah,
3: I think both those guys fill that gotcha. role, that stretch four of, of guys that can create some mismatches at that, at that position. Um, and then Noah has added some good weight as well. I think you're going to see a different body and a different mm. frame on him this season, which is exciting. Um, and that's going to allow him to play maybe some four and five, which is great. Um, but then, you know, with the versatility of Foose, with the, with the defensive versatility of Atiki, I think we're looking at, you know, three guys that are, you know, quote unquote bigs. But I think they've changed their games a little bit, and I think they've they've added some some different facets of what they can provide where it makes them a little bit more versatile. So um, that
0: allows you to spread those pieces out a little bit more. Gotcha. And
1: at, you can create different mismatches, like you said. Yeah, exactly. That second. Year.
0: At this point, what is your approach with the remaining time in the transfer portal now that you are at 13 scholarship players for 13 positions?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think the transfer portal is so fluid and, and it's so dynamic and it's so ever-changing where it's, it's hard to say – you know, the price tomorrow isn't the price today, right? I mean, things could be completely different by the end of this afternoon. So um, as the as the roster changes, as the as the portal changes, and we look for, for different things, it's hard to pin down exactly, this is what we're going to have when it comes time in November, right? So um, I, I think we're, our eyes are wide open. We're, we're very much um, interested in some pieces that could help us and be impactful for us in the Big 12 and help us win games, but um, we also really like our group now. So uh, we're going to kind of play it as it comes and, and see how that works
1: out. Certainly entering the Big 12, there's some different kind of rules and regulations relative to sort of the commitment to a player before it was like year to year. This is like, well, the Big 12 says you basically owe them a scholarship till they're done with their eligibility of that school. So have all those conversations about guys who maybe uh, don't fit in as much as previously. Um, have those conversations been had already if those guys want to jump in the portal? Because it closes tomorrow?
3: Yeah, yes and no. I think we're fortunate here at BYU, like we don't have a lot of knuckleheads. We don't bring in a lot of guys that don't <laughs> fit our culture or don't fit our program or, or don't fit what this university is about. So we're fortunate to have guys that, you know, once they're here, they feel really comfortable in this environment and vice versa. Um, so honoring that commitment if they go elsewhere is a pretty easy thing to do. Um, but, you know, as you've seen, like we haven't had a ton of turnover and, and we've been fortunate to see that and um, hopefully that continues.
0: Cahill Fennell is on BYU Sports Nation, assistant basketball coach. Jeremy and I were discussing yesterday just about how mature and old this team is. It's an experienced group. Majority upperclassmen and deep with experience, coach. So is it fair to say that you feel comfortable going 10 or 11 deep on a regular basis when the season begins?
3: That's hard. I mean, Coach Pope makes those decisions, and, and uh, <laughs> I'm glad he is, he is the guy to do that sometimes. But I, um, we'll see. I, I think, like I said, all those things remain to be, remain to be seen and, and have to be fleshed out and earned on the floor and earned in practice. Um, so I, I think the, the, the guys that can help us win will play. Um, I do think that there's a limit to that as far as rotations and, and how we play and how many people get involved and um, it's going to be a war like th- those guys that want to be in that top eight that top nine I mean they have to show it and they have to show it every day there's a consistency level to it um, which is going to be paramount like you can't just be a really good player on Wednesday and not show up Thursday and Friday you know I mean you have to be that guy every day in practice and every day off the floor and in the weight room and doing the right things in study hall um, and the guys that do that consistently are, are going to be the guys that play so um, I'm not a massive fan of, of a rotation of 11 guys, but um, if, that's, if that's what's best for us, I think that's what's gonna happen.
1: Listen, watching Mark Pope uh, at Kentucky, it was like, they'd roll that second five and they'd press. It's not that situation here, <laughs> but they went like 10 deep, right? With Patina, which was crazy. There are kind of eight wings on, uh, on this team. What's that competition gonna be like for playing time? Because there's a lot of talent and experience and different skills among those eight.
3: You know, it's funny. You it. So it's it's very similar to the big man group, right? Where it's like it depends on how you view them, and it depends on the matches, and it depends on the combinations. Where um, we've had conversations in our in our meeting rooms, where it's like we need a wing. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it really depends on on how you view those guys and what kind of role you fit them into. So um, for us, I, I think every position the competition is going to be massive, right? Whether it's guards with Dallin and Quez and, and Dawson and Trey Stewart and, and whoever else wants to throw their hat in the ring, but the, it's the bigs, it's the wings, like you said. I think every spot on the floor is going to be really, really hard-earned minutes, and I think that speaks to how talented this group is. I mm-hmm. think that's a great problem to have. I, I truly do. Um, There's gonna be some upset guys later, and I think there's gonna be some guys that are frustrated with their lack of playing time and their lack of perceived opportunity and things like that. But unfortunately, that's that's a part of having a talented team. That's a part of having a deep team. Um, And I think that's something that we can all expect and and get ready for.
1: Is there a sort of willingness perhaps and, and maybe you have a sense of this maybe not of a guy who may be a little more buried on the bench, but hey, it's a Big 12 team now. There may be more attrition. Who knows? versus maybe previous rosters or instances? I think because a it's a different situation
3: now. It is. No, it absolutely is. And I think there's a possibility for that for sure. I mean, like, it's a grind. Like, that Big 12 season is an absolute bear. I mean, there's a real scenario where you can go, you know, to Texas, two Texas Tech and have Kansas at home three games in a row you know and, that, and that's that's really really hard we're excited to see it whenever we get it right yeah yeah. from the fans perspective from the media's <laughs> perspective it's awesome for us in preparation and play, it's,
0: like, <laughs> You're sweating it's just yes. so much fun yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, I love and it and it'll be different days too because like this schedule won't be the Thursday Saturday exactly thing, right there exactly. may be some Mondays uh, in there and, and yep. I think
3: that's something our fan base and you guys and everybody has to get used to mm-hmm. it you know at Louisville we would have a game on Monday and you'd have big Mondays and all this kind of stuff and then turn around and play on Wednesday and Thursday and it's crazy it's all you know, uh, married to the TV schedule. So I I think for us and for our roster, um, yeah, I I think there's a possibility for that. But I think, you know, the season's the season. I don't want to act like the Big 12 is you know, the Eastern Conference in 1995, like we, we we're, were there, right? Like we, we have to be Man in it to it. hanging on yeah, to somebody's leg. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like we, we have to, you know, enter it with the mindset of competing for championships and, and, and be in it to win it. So um, I don't want us to feel like, gosh, whatever we can do to survive. Like that that yeah. just can't be our attitude going into this thing to be successful.
0: Name image likeness is a phrase that you're probably sick and tired of hearing, NIL, but it is here to stay for sure. And we've seen BYU football utilize it to almost entice redshirt guys or non-scholarship guys to, hey, stick around. You can – we'll give you a little bit. You could potentially earn a scholarship moving forward. Is that a possibility for basketball when you are in a scholarship crunch to say, hey, we want you right now, we're developing you, we can't give you a scholarship, but maybe NIL plays into that. Does is that how that works for basketball, like it does for football?
3: I think it can. I don't think it's as widespread in basketball as it is in football. Um, but you know, with 13 scholarships available, I mean, and to your point, a, a rotation of nine or 10. I mean, there's only so much that can go around, right? And and NIL to your point, is very much a part of the vernacular now in college basketball, and it is what it is. And I think it's the the programs and the coaches and the staffs that that make it a priority, that make it work for them. Uh, They're gonna have some long-term sustainable success. And I think it's the ones that fight it um, and, and just kind of, you know, stomp their feet and, and say get off my lawn and all that kind of stuff. Like those are the <laughs> guys that are either going to get out of the business or going to be really, really frustrated and not have success. So um, if we can make it work for ourselves in any arena, whether that's yeah. recruiting new prospects, whether that's retaining uh, our, our current roster, um, all those things are, are going to be something we're going to explore and try to, try, to ma- uh, try to maximize.
1: I assume the league will be the announcer of the league schedule, but the non-conference, will that be announced by BYU whenever it's ready? I'm so bad with this stuff. I'm sure it will be. I have, I have no idea. Yeah. And, I'm and getting a
3: thumbs up in the back. Yes. Do
1: we have a sense of when that might be this summer? Like in a month or two? <laughs> <I have no laughs> Ask Mark Pope. Yeah. Yeah. Ask I'm Nick just, Robinson. Yes, my.
3: Nick Robinson, my Nick's man. the scheduler. Like, yeah, I, I have no idea what the schedule they show We show up, they tell me who my scout is, and, and we yeah. get a war. Hey, I, I don't know anything else.
1: Hey, Nick Robinson, we're excited. We want the schedule, bro. Yeah, we're looking we forward to schedule. it. We want the schedule.
0: Hey, we probably buried the lead here as we finish up, Coach, but on a scale of zero to negative a million, how much do you care about what we think about bracketology in May?
1: I love it. <laughs> do you love? It? Do you like bracketology in May? Like BYU getting mentioned by I, Lenardi? I don't
3: at all. It I means nothing <laughs> to me. But I love that it's being talked about. I, yes. I think it's it's like the NFL. It's fun. The, the NFL is a total racket, right? Like they've yes. created this thing yes. where it's like.
1: The schedule's coming out tomorrow.
3: Yeah, everything's a story. Yes. And pre-drafts and the combine, like everything, yes. they dominate the news cycle every time. Yes. So if we can get BYU basketball in your guys' conversations because of bracketology. Kill, listen,
1: today's a basketball show. Today's a basketball day. On uh, May whatever it is. May 10th, yeah. 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 I love it.
0: All right. And you're the highlighted guest. Let's go, man. <laughs> B, B, B Block,
1: man. <laughs> B Block's the big guest. Hill, great to talk it. with you.
0: Thanks for the insights. Likewise. Thank you guys good. for having me. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it.
1: Okay, if you miss any interviews, d blue shows, games, you, can find, you want to watch men's hoops from last year and you're like, I just got a hankering for it. Go to BYUSN.com or download the free BYU TV app.
0: Up next, is the BYU-Utah rivalry, football, basketball, the most bitter, toxic, and vitriol-driven rivalry We'll discuss it in The Whip.
1: Who said what?
0: It's now become about conferences. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU
2: Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU
1: fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media. That is Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Here's
0: Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton. Let's Whip It! Cougar Whip Brown presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner.
1: You know, your football announced the signing of Weber State transfer offensive lineman, Jake Icorn yesterday. Does the offensive line have the best depth of any position?
0: group? Yes, tell me otherwise. I, is, is there a different group that has more depth right now than the offensive line? I feel like they have 10 no. guys yeah. that have big game experience, albeit at different levels, but still guys with a lot of experience.
1: Yeah, and the transfer portal for the offensive line was big time. They brought in a bunch of dudes. You look at Miley, Fitzgerald, Etienne Lapuahu, Eichhorn. All have played a bunch of games. Yes, they know what they're doing. So yeah, excited about that group. Certainly have a lot of uh, big shoes to fill after last year's line, which I think might've been the best in BYU history. It was amazing.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I would love for another group to compete with the offensive line. Specifically the wide receivers.
1: <laughs> Can you add a if, piece? If they there? add another piece, debatably, yeah. relatively speaking, given now, that you only have there. like three on the field. not five. Yep. Of the yeah. Now they're getting there. Mike Oresco,
0: friend of the program, been on the show multiple times, commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, penned a 2,587 word open letter asking to absolve the Power 5 moniker to which Brett McMurphy responded with a tweet. He's already doing it by calling the Big 10 and the SEC the power two, the ACC, the Big 12, and the Pac-12 the middle three, and the other five conferences the group of five. Would you be okay if the Big 12 was part of the middle three?
1: Yes, the Big 12 is playing for, uh, you know, the third place, but no, now that we just got into a power five, we're sticking with power five. I'm sorry, Mike Oresco. They actually put P6 stickers on the American helmets the last two years. So they are all about kind of being involved there. Well, you lost a couple of teams there that were helping you in that you Your pace. three best. Yeah, so no, Power 5 it is. We just got in, we ain't changing the name of this club
0: whatever if brett mcmurphy wants to jokingly call bway part of the middle three i think it's hilarious fine the, but the power five moniker is mid- not going anywhere the middle three like again this is another agenda thing like, he's drawing attention to it i understand sure. it sure but the p6 thing didn't work and getting rid of power five is also not going to work
1: p6 in basketball you include the big east andrew uh Marchand reported yesterday espn became a leading candidate to be the new home of the pat McAfee show for the brand this led to a tweet from bearcat matt that said pat is going to make more money than the (laughs) pac-12 do you agree no (laughs) (laughs) will pat individually make more than a school yes the answer is yes yes yeah Yeah, absolutely per per year he'll probably make as much as four schools will will pat mcafee's per year be equal to a pac-12 schools tv deal
0: wow (laughs) i can't believe we're discussing this Jeremy. at this point I just have kind of stopped caring about the Pac-12 media I don't care deal. about the Pac-12 I, we media We got deal. so overwhelmed by it, and it was so if,
1: saturated. Well, as it pertains to expansion with the Big 12, that's why we care. Because if it doesn't work out well, then there could be an exodus.
0: Like, it's all about where you're seeing. They, they might get as much per school as the Big 12, but where are you seeing?
1: I look forward to the doubleheader of The Flash and then uh, Colorado versus the CW? State on the CW let's go is that what it's still called let's go yeah i think so <laughs> <laughs> or does that change too i think so
0: brandon marcello of 24 7 sports reports the big 12 is expand or is ex- exploring rather new branding possibilities and perhaps a name change if the league does expand to 14 or 16 teams once texas and oklahoma leave if that happens what would you propose as the new name for the big 12 conference
1: uh, the MWAC, the Midwest Athletic. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, I hope this doesn't happen, honestly. I, I like the, the history there, it's all good. I don't need a new name per se. There, but it needs to be numberless because that can fluctuate, right? Like the Big Ten has 14 teams. But the Big Ten is such a strong brand, it doesn't matter.
0: There are only two that make sense to me. And it would require, because this is based on expansion, The big 12 to go and get somebody on the west coast whether that's san diego state gonzaga
1: or united states of america conference
0: it's the national conference which i think would be perfect because you are nationwide so you're the national conference or you're the united conference
1: let's go but what if they aren't united in Spirit, Spence, then what? Uh, college Football Home tweeted... They're united him, in money
0: for at least four years, I can tell you that.
1: College Football uh, Home tweeted that BYU-Utah isn't close to the top rivalry in college f- football. Oklahoma State fan calpoke_u underscore U on Twitter tweeted this response, Want to know how toxic this rivalry is? It made Big 12 Twitter and Pac-12 Twitter go to war <laughs> with each other. That isn't the most bitter, toxic, and vitriolic rivalry. I don't know what is. Do you agree?
0: It's not the most bitter rivalry in college football. Like, when there's a documentary made about some dude cutting down a beloved tree,
1: like illegally Auburn poisoning and Alabama, it.
0: illegally poisoning yeah, yeah. Destroying that, like, that is bitter, toxic, and vitriolic. Yeah, yeah BYU-Utah is toxic for sure, but it's not the most. And Ohio State, Michigan, if you haven't experienced that game or been around it, come on, like, that that is up there with Alabama and Auburn.
1: The unique angle of BYU-Utah is that there's a religious involvement. That's what makes it unique. It's true. It, yep.
0: For me, it's top, it's, it's top five, top six in the country.
1: It's top one in my heart. Uh, but yeah, nationally, yeah, it's it's unique among its peers because of the religious aspect.
0: BYU football has posted a series of photos and videos, Jerem, of plays from last season's South Florida game specifically asking the question, what's better, the picture or the shot as in the camera video role? hmm Okay, so let's show you Puka opening touchdown run on the okay. first play from scrimmage. What do you like better, the picture or the shot?
1: Wait until it kind of runs in. I'm going with the I'm going with the shot because it yes. came right into camera. It yeah. wasn't the other side. It the, was right into camera.
0: The Buccaneers pirate ship is in the background, so you know that they're in an NFL stadium, and it, it comes into view later. Like.
1: I didn't even notice that the first time. I'm just staring at poker.
0: Then you see the big screen behind him. Yeah, Raymond James. For me, yeah, it, that it's was cool. easily the shot. OK, number two, Chris Brooks with his long and first BYU rushing touchdown.
1: Do you like the picture? Also running right into camera. I'm going video because right into camera. The pictures are excellent as well. Yeah. For no, me on both this are one, awesome.
0: with the salute, the frame, the defender behind him, I'm actually taking the picture in this one. I think that's a really cool salute picture that gives it the edge.
1: Is he left-handed? I don't think I so. I would rarely throw up a left-handed salute, you know what I mean? But in the moment?
0: He's got the five points of contact with the football in the right arm, so I he know. only had the left arm available.
1: I wonder if he's left-handed. Because he could could have carried it in the other one. No one was by him. It's all good. Former BI offensive lineman Keanu Saliapanga was recently included in an Instagram post as rapper NBA Youngboy's barber. Uh-huh. In the picture, Keanu is cutting the rapper's hair in his driveway. Should we be getting haircuts in our driveway? Is that what we learned from Youngboy?
0: I don't want to get a haircut in my driveway. But I want to make a,
1: I want to make enough money to where I can have it. Well, the real reason he might be doing that is because he's on house arrest, and he has limited visitor ability in his house.
0: He just wants to, yeah, okay. That and might that, be that why. Could which, be by why. the way,
1: he has mentioned, young boy, that he is going to join the Church of Jesus yes. Christ of Latter-day he Saints. He's going to
0: be baptized. Yeah, which is
1: pretty, pretty cool. Pretty wild. Is he the, instantly the greatest rapper in church history? Yeah, well, Suddenly? once
0: he has capability to, uh, you know, have some freedom and move again, like, we got to get him to a game.
1: Yes, we do. We need NBA young boy. And dance with Cosmo. Ayo and Look out. We got a good one now. Let's, Let's go. go.
0: Up next, BYU men's basketball, as we just discussed with Cahill Finnell. And during our opening trending topic, has made some major moves in the transfer portal. Got us thinking, who are the top five men's basketball transfers all time? It's a Top 5 Wednesday. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports
2: Nation is presented by Maersk your e-commerce logistics shipping partner.
0: Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, live from Studio B. Now, typically we reserve the top five list for top five Tuesday, the alliteration. Do
1: you know what? <laughs> just because alliteration. Who
0: cares? It, just was, it was such a loaded show yesterday. Yeah that we wanted to add to this Wednesday. We're just going to start doing it on Saturday. It's top five Wednesday now with the top five men's basketball transfers all time.
1: I thought it was Wednesday until I was like 14. I just heard my dad say it that way. (laughs) Number five, Elijah Bryant. Played freshman year at Elon, transferred to BYU his last year, uh, his junior year. 18 points a game, 41% from three. WCC first team, went on to win an NBA title with the Bucs. Won a EuroLeague title with Anadolu Efes. I was in an Uber with the dude from Turkey. I told him I knew a dude that played in Turkey on Anadolu Efes. He was impressed. Woo. Number five, Elijah Bryant, NBA champion
0: Elijah Bryant. Fun fact: Sam Merrill was at BYU softball game on Saturday as well. Oh, nice! Eight Milwaukee Bucks teammate, brother, brother Merrill. Number four, uh, the dude that spells his name Rafael, but everyone calls him Hafa, and I couldn't figure out why for the longest time. He's Brazilian, Portuguese.
1: Yeah, the R at the beginning of the word is a name
0: Rafael Araujo. Yeah played two years at Arizona Western College, transferred, averaged 18 points a game, 10 rebounds per contest in the 03-04 season, got BYU to an NCAA tournament, co-player of the year in the Mountain West. AP, All-American honorable mention, taken eighth overall by the Toronto Raptors. Well done,
1: Hoffa. Number three, Matt Harms transferred from Purdue to play his final season at BYU, averaged two blocks a game, one of the top shot blockers in the country. All-WCC second team, defensive player of the year in the league. Helped BYU get a sixth seed at large in the NCAA tournament. Matt Harms, number three.
0: At number two, guy who played with Matt Harms as a number six seed in the NCAA tournament, Alex Barcelo, Two years at Arizona, was buried on the bench, transferred to BYU. This might be Mark Pope's greatest transfer victory no question. ever. No question. Three-point percentage, the second all-time BYU history. Bill is called him the greatest shooter in the country at one point. 194 three-pointers as a BYU player in only three years. That's seventh all-time. How many would he have made if he'd been here all four years? I think
1: a 1,000. Holy cow. And the number one transfer in men's hoops ever for BYU. Travis Hansen. Plays freshman year at UVSC, transferred to BYU. Part of two NCAA tournament teams. Defensive player of the year in 2003. Regular season champs in 03 as well. Second round pick to the Hawks. Famously played in Russia and Spain, notably. Elder 8 Mile. Yeah. At the time with the bleach blonde hair. Love Travis Hansen.
0: Not surprisingly all five of these guys all conference first team members and most of them multiple times.
1: Fun fact Travis Hansen has a massive house. Uh, He's made more money after playing basketball than before which is interesting. He's got like this barn that's his gym. And my daughter was in this, like, Mapleton City, like, softball-slash-baseball parade where they came by in trucks. And we stood in front of his house, and someone goes, Is that your house? And it was Travis's house. I turned back and I go, Yeah. Yes, it is. (laughs) Indeed. Things are going really well for me. I still haven't played in the gym. Travis has invited me. I need to just show up. Okay. Maybe tomorrow.
0: Yeah, just give him a call. Maybe not.
1: Maybe just show up. No, open door. (laughs) Mapletonian. Mapletonian. Okay. Okay.
0: I would Let say he's down the street,
1: but his street's a little wider Let me than I We know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> he's paying a little more tithing than I am.
0: Who could we potentially add to this like from, from the team right now? Who could we potentially add onto this list at some point, do you think?
1: Hopefully Ali Khalifa is like uniquely situated to just be this incredible player. Maybe it's was Jackson, Jackson Robinson. Jackson Robinson could be the guy. Yep.
0: Like which guy which of the transfers has the highest potential. Where we're like, Dude, be, like, he was a second player. round
1: pick. Two years later.
0: Yeah, who has has a case to push out Elijah or Hoffa? You got to be great to push one of those guys out, right?
1: Elijah or Hoffa. I know. You got to either be drafted higher, win an NBA title. (laughs) (laughs) Who's going to be like? Will BYU have like a third team All Conference guy this year? That would be awesome. Do they even do third team? First, second, honorable mention. Great
0: question. I have no idea. Things we need to learn.
1: Yeah, we're hoping for some honorable mention guys, maybe, because the league has a lot of NBA dudes. Yeah. (laughs) They ain't the WCC anymore,
0: guys. I saw the NBA Combine list and I was like, wow, there are a lot of big 12 players in there.
1: (laughs) Luckily, they're gone.
0: Up next, today's rise and shout out goes to an absolute BYU legend. Listen, if he had transferred to BYU, he'd be number one on this list. Oh, yeah. He's a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. And uh, a special location for this as well. This is BYU Sports Nation.
2: BYU Sports Nation is presented by The BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU athletics.
1: BYU women's soccer up 7-0 on uh, ZNK Dynamo Zagreb as we speak in the 38th minute. Uh, Hallie Dixon with the uh, her second goal. So, so things dom- are going well. Domination in Croatia. Things are going well. Soccer team. That should be 4-0.
0: Our question of the day, are you buying BYU men's basketball as a bubble team at this point? This is based on Joe Lunardi, the bracketologist, having BYU on the bubble in three out of his last four projections. JT Lamoureux on Twitter says, no, I'd rather keep expectations low for this team and be surprised than be disappointed by unfair expectations, especially after the struggles of last year. Let's just enjoy the newness of the conference, talented teams BYU gets to compete against, and see what happens.
1: I like that approach to this season. Yeah, but we have to talk every day. So at some point, we have to say whether we think they're going to cross line X or not.
0: Like Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State were the three worst teams in the Big 12 last year. Just by association in the conference, they were all bubble teams. So whether JT wants to go there or not, like BYU by association is probably going to be a bubble team just because the conference is so good.
1: Not necessarily, (laughs) but um, they're they're going to win enough games to be a bubble team. We hope. Yes. We
0: hope. Our elite voice of the day. Presented by PAX. Healthcare elevated. Josh Gabens on Twitter says, Yes! I believe BYU has the pieces in place to be competitive in many Big 12 games and get enough wins to be on the bubble. I don't expect BYU to go dancing this year, but I'm hoping for the NIT.
1: NIT plus, as we say.
0: Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. This is very
1: cool. So women's soccer is in Croatia, as we mentioned. They were on a tour. They were walking uh, along the Croatian Walk of Fame in Zagreb. And, hey, Krestemir Ciosic's name is there. Kresmer Ciosic, of course. The great late 60s, early 70s BYU men's basketball player who eventually won a gold medal in Croatia, was the ambassador uh, as well, and translated the Book of Mormon into Croatian, which is pretty cool.
0: The Walk of Fame in Croatia. How cool is it that women's soccer is there right now, Greg Rubel, Amazing. Like doing their thing.
1: Not jealous whatsoever. I know. I Our thanks to today's
0: guest, Cahill Fennell. Sorry, Dennis. For Jeremy Spencer. Shout out to Belmont Anderson, one of Kresh's former teammates. Nice. See you tomorrow back here in Studio B. Go Cougs. Belmont was a baller.